Welcome to Awen, guided by spirit. Awen is the air of inspiration that permeates all life. This podcast is a space for you to be inspired to listen to your spirit. You'll learn more about intuition, living cyclically with the seasons, energy healing, natural magic, and more. I'm your host, Cassie Yule. I'm a gentle guide to spirit, an author, artist, and healer trained in Celtic and British shamanic practices. Learn more at CassieYule.com. That's C-A-S-S-I-E-U-H-L.com or at Cassie Yule on Instagram. Welcome. Hello, friends. I'm so glad to be slowly coming back to you in this space. Life has been both exciting and uncomfortable after having done our big move from Arizona to Indiana, coming back to my home state, and then having a recent um, encounter with COVID for the first time. Fortunately, my my family is all well, and I am ever so slowly on the mend. Um, it's taken me a lot longer to come back, but sometimes that's where the medicine is. It's in the acceptance, it's in the illness, it's in the unknowns. So I'm very grateful to be feeling a little bit more like myself and to be um, connecting with you here in this space. I've been spending so much time outside building relationship with the land here and reacquainting myself with all of the trees and plants. It's been soul nourishing to be around so much green and flowing water. But I'm also in Indiana and with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, it's been quite scary and maddening. So I've also been spending a lot of time at the state house and embedding myself into local politics and organizations to help with communities that will be most affected by this disgusting display of power. I hope that wherever you are, that you are continuing to stay vigilant and speaking up and acting in the best interests of historically marginalized communities that will undoubtedly be facing unnecessary death and trauma without access to reproductive health care, especially if you're in a white body like I am. There's so much work to be done, and burying our heads in the sand isn't going to fix any of it. Toxic positivity isn't going to fix any of it. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that in this episode. I have two other work-related announcements before I jump into the episode. First, my books are open again for distance energy work and intuitive mentorship. I am opening up in-person as well, but I'm only seeing repeat clients as in-person clients. My office now is in my home, so it's important for me to at least have met you before I invite you into my home. So if you are in the greater Indianapolis area and you're interested, you can still sign up for a virtual session, a distant session, and that way we have some time to get to know each other before I decide if I feel comfortable inviting you into my home for in-person energy healing. Second, my next guided journey, Journey to the Fires of Transformation, is scheduled for Sunday, September 4th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. 
A little bit about these guided journeys. These guided journeys are held virtually over Zoom and consist of me guiding you through a visual meditation where you'll journey within the mind's eye to the south. The south represents the element of fire, which is what we'll be discussing in this episode as well. I spend weeks preparing for these guided journeys, journeying on my own to create the path and so that I can feel grounded enough to lead others through this journey. That said, I also keep it open so that each person has a very unique experience. We all quote unquote travel to the same place, but what the fire has to teach you, it'll vary for each person. And these guided journeys are always recorded. So it's okay if you can't make it live. And they also come with a really nice workbook that I put together that includes journal prompts, a card spread, and a ritual to go along with the guided journey. So it's really quite an immersive experience. And I'll share a little note that I received from one of the previous participants, Zana from Journey to Your Ancestors. Zana said, I'm so grateful I did this journey with you. I'm not a skeptic by any means, but I wasn't expecting to have such an immersive and magical experience. I truly felt connected to my ancestors and received a message that I didn't know I needed so badly. Thank you, Zana, for your kind words. And if this sounds like something that you would like to participate in, you can find the link to sign up in the show notes. All right, let's explore the fire of the South and discuss befriending discomfort and learn some rituals to work with transformation and fire. Summertime shifts us toward the south and the element of fire on our sacred seasonal wheel of the year. The fire of the south offers a time of passion, growth, culmination, action, transformation, and less frequently talked about, discomfort. In this episode, you'll learn more about the element of fire, cardinal direction in south, connection to discomfort, common correspondences for south and fire, and three ways to engage in ritual and magic alongside fire. Before I dive in, let's explore the position of the south and fire on our seasonal wheel. The south and summer solstice are the full moon of the year on our wheel of seasons, and the neighboring celebrations, Beltane and Lunasa, are the peak of waxing and waning energy of our seasonal year. We live amidst this fiery energy until we reach the autumn equinox and shift fully towards the west and the element of water. Astrologically speaking, the summer solstice moves us into Cancer season, and then later we shift into Leo season. Now, the summer solstice and Cancer season alignment is one that's honestly confused me for a while. I just had difficulty seeing the connection between the water sign of Cancer, the south, and the element of fire. I love listening to Tarot for the Wild Soul by Lindsay Mack, and she recently shared an episode about the summer solstice and its connection to the chariot card, which corresponds with the water sign of cancer. It helped me really understand the connection to cancer season and the summer solstice. I'm going to link her episode that I listened to, so if that's something that's eluded you as well and you want to dive a little bit deeper into it, you can. But I always had such a hard time marrying this intuitive, sensitive cancer energy with the element of fire. 
But looking at it from the perspective of the chariot card, which is that watery energy that encourages you to take action, to do things, to get uncomfortable and to start using that emotional energy as almost fuel to continue to take action. So you can even visualize it as the stagnant pond versus the flowing stream as an example. So that chariot card is that flowing stream that's really been catalyzed by the element of fire to start moving and flowing. This fire of the season forces us out of our comfort zones and the water of cancer season encourages us to be in a state of flow with all that arises, discomfort and all. It's really a call to feel and act, act and feel and to not get stuck and stagnant amidst all of it. It makes me think of the popular quote by Anais Nin, which is, quote, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom, unquote. So I'm sure this is a quote that you've heard before. It's really popular and it makes me think of the effect of fire on us at this time in our seasonal year, especially when we were sitting in the season of cancer. Now, obviously, we're already into the season of Leo right now. I've been writing this post for a while. But still, something to think back on and something to tuck away for the summer solstice next year when we come up to cancer season again. But I think these south-facing seasons, Beltane, the summer solstice, Lunasa, they're all asking us to notice where we must come out of our shells and blossom in new ways. And I don't know about you, but I've never gone through a painless transformation. And one thing I really want to focus on in this episode is not so much this focus on how it individually affects us, but where we are as a collective, where we are with our communities, and how these energies are affecting us and how we can use them to their fullest potential. On a collective level, we're very much sitting in this space of fire. So much agitation, so much energy of getting uncomfortable, doing things that we haven't normally done. These deep transformations we're facing are requiring many of us, myself included, to look at parts of ourselves we'd rather not look at. And in many ways, we've been trained not to look at, especially for folks in white bodies like myself. It may feel enticing amidst this time, both this season and collectively, to sink back into those still waters or the cozy crab shell. But the gifts of growth are calling each of us in unique ways that are needed to create changes here on an individual level and on a collective level to create a more equitable and sustainable world. And of course, I'm not saying that there are not times when going back into that cozy crab shell and the still waters is necessary. It absolutely is. But what I'm saying is that there are seasons where we need to push ourselves a little bit more. And I think we might be in one of those seasons now. When we amesh ourselves in our communities, it can be really hard to do that because we see the need to make ourselves uncomfortable and to sit in that place of fire to inspire us to continue acting and doing. It's a balance and balance is an illusion. It never truly gets there. Balance is constant movement, just like fire. The element of fire is waiting to be called upon, waiting to assist, and we're still in the season to do that. Through Lunasa, 
And I'd argue really anytime you need to call upon fire, but as I said, it's definitely more palpable right now with the full force of the sun still here working with us. And one other reminder, something that I'm sure that you've perhaps noticed in your own life is that if we don't engage with the fire, if we don't look around and find ways that we can be transformed and put ourselves in situations to create transformation and growth, the wildness of fire will eventually create those transformations that are needed to happen, whether you're ready or not. And I want to stress that I think this is true individually and collectively. And I think it's a lot easier to see it individually. We can all think of those moments. I know I certainly can for myself where, you know, you needed to do something. You knew it was going to be hard and you didn't want to do it. And I'm sure you have instances that you can think back on on both sides of that, times where you did and times where you didn't, as we look at where we are as a collective, as a species, and what's happening in the world. I think those are some important things to ponder right now. So here's a sweet message about the need for fire that I want to share with you, and it's from the book The Great Work by Tiffany Lasik. It's a really interesting read that I recommend. It offers some really different perspectives on the seasonal wheel of the year. Tiffany shares, quote, Passion is the energy of fire that propels us toward that which activates our spirit. In order to create any new thing, there needs to be a spark, something that leaps across the gap between the material and the ethereal, bringing the two together and transforming them both in the process. Fire is the motivator, both the soft flame that gently guides and the blinding conflagration that changes all in an instant, unquote. How can what's dear to your heart be used as a spark to bring about transformation and change? This is a time to notice what's arising in you, your family, and your community. What areas are feeling the most uncomfortable? What areas need tending to? What areas need that spark of inspiration from fire to inspire you into taking those leaps across the gaps? And perhaps what needs to be burned up completely and transformed? Let's explore some of the wisdom fire has to offer us. Wisdom of the South and Fire To understand the scope of fire, we must honor all of its faces and abilities, like all of the elements Fire can nourish and destroy. It's easy to see the nourishment and the destruction of fire, especially in the summertime. The nourishing warmth of the sun inspires plants to grow and thrive. Fire is also the seat of the hearth at home because it offers us warmth and nourishment. Yet we can also see the capacity for fast-acting destruction that fire holds as well. Like all the elements, fire offers a spectrum of wisdom. It offers both destruction and sustenance. Having been embedded in various spiritual spaces for over two decades, especially in white spaces, I can confidently say that there's a focus on the more positive aspects of fire, like passion and growth and action, and far less on the themes of destruction and comfort. I'll be focusing on the latter for this section, though destruction is often lumped into this pile of quote-unquote negative it has a lot of important gifts to offer. I would argue to say really needed gifts right now. Destroying or burning up is a necessary part of the transformational process. We cannot transform without letting something fall away or die. Wrapped up in this process is a need to be with the discomfort, 
to build a greater capacity to hold the discomfort, building a resiliency, making stronger. Fire can be the spark that inspires us to continue facing our discomfort and bolsters our ability to act alongside it. So how can we expand our capacity for discomfort with fire? As we move deeper into this conversation around expanding our capacity for discomfort, I want to share a quote from a little book I often reference called The Sacred Wheel of Our Ancestors by Roberta Lee, who also goes by Nightwing. She is one of my mentor's mentors. Quote, noon, the summer solstice, heat all about us, the sun beating down upon our heads, thirst, fire. This is the place to come face to face with ourselves for sure. Modern society seems to be obsessed with comfort and sacred suffering is feared and frowned upon. We all suffer. Let us not waste it by trying to avoid it. Let us not resist the heat, the hard times. Let us embrace them and this time of year, this part of the wheel, this part of life. And in doing so, we notice that the pain is abated and becomes our history and joins the other drops of water in our well of experience. End quote. The fire of the South does not lie. It is truth at its core. It burns away and exposes us. It makes us naked and vulnerable and brings us face to face with our truths. It can be painful when you approach fire with a desire to transform, like the frame of a house revealed after its exterior has been burned away. Fire shows what's on the inside. Each layer that is burned away offers stories and wisdom that call you to look and feel everything on a soul level, the good, the ugly, and everything in between. Each layer gives more wisdom and fuel to transform. Herein lies much of the discomfort associated with fire, which is twofold. First, we have the discomfort of being with, witnessing, and feeling the pain and the truth of what is no longer working or what is no longer acceptable. The second, I'd argue, more elusive part of the discomfort brought about by fire and this transformational energy is the discomfort of not knowing what's on the other side. When we decide to return to ash from the fire, what happens next? What's on the other side? As I mentioned, I think collectively, we are sitting in a time of this not knowingness. We are sitting in a time of transformative fire on the precipice of something new, but still unsure what it will look like and how exactly we'll get there. So many of us, myself included, are feeling the intense discomfort of this time, seeing the harms that are caused to the earth, the more than human world, ourselves, historically marginalized people, knowing deep down that more needs to happen at a much faster rate to save ourselves and our planet. It is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to witness the suffering and to suffer. We're in the throes of a significant transformation. However, the not knowing the mystery of where we're headed does bring one gift. It brings a gift of unlimited possibilities. These limitless potentialities are part of this collective transformation, bringing me a sense of peace and the fire to keep going. Yes, it can be really easy to fall into places of fear and <laughs> I'll be the first person to say, yeah, go there for a little bit, but make sure you come back. Because what's in the not knowing, what's in the limitless potentialities are all of the solutions and all of the outcomes that are yet to be discovered. Maybe there are solutions that we haven't been shown yet, that haven't been revealed yet, that people haven't acted on yet, that are in the process right now, but we have to keep going to see them. Or 
maybe everything will need to fall apart and burn to build something better. I don't know. I don't know the answers. But I do know it's these limitless potentialities, all of the unknowns that give me the fuel to continue going, that give me the strength to continue to transform, to continue to be uncomfortable. Most transformations we embark upon are sparked by an unwillingness to allow a certain action or feeling to persist any longer. As we collectively sit in the heat and discomfort of this time, I invite you to continue to sit with the discomfort while reserving space for all of the unknown solutions and outcomes yet to unfold. Continue working towards and being part of the solution of a more equitable and sustainable planet, even when things feel like, what's the point? Because we don't know what's on the other side. As that's where those unknown solutions and outcomes live, we won't know what's on the other side of this current transformation until we walk through it together. Keyword being together. It's also really important for me to note here that this discomfort that so many are feeling has not been evenly dispersed. Large groups of people have been sitting in the discomfort of this transformation since the onset of spreading patriarchy, imperialism, white supremacy, and capitalism. White-bodied folks like myself have been taught to avoid this discomfort, to separate ourselves from it, and to seek comfort at all costs, even at the expense of others' lives and our planet. In contrast, many BIPOC communities around the world have been forced to become comfortable living in this discomfort. There's no escape. I want to give credit to one of my teachers, Therese Couture. I recently completed her course, Embodied Allyship. I think she runs it twice a year. I'll definitely link her website in the show notes. I highly, highly recommend it. Really powerful needed work. Comfort, discomfort, and nervous system regulation were big themes in this course. And I want to credit her for how I've made a lot of these parallels between the element of fire and this time. It really connected a lot of dots for me. And that is Therese Couture. So again, I'll link her. If you'd like to work with her, I know she's got a lot of offerings for white folks and for BIPOC, but just wonderful human that I'm just really grateful to have been able to spend some time with and learn from. What if the constant seeking of comfort is what's keeping you small, keeping you from growing, and keeping you disconnected from your power? I want to offer that it is. Sitting in discomfort builds resiliency. A kind of resiliency that many folks with black and brown bodies have been forced to build up and that myself and fellow white-bodied people have been lulled into avoiding. At what point do we need to start cutting off our proximity to comfort? Because it may be the very thing keeping so many of us silent and complacent. The transformation we're in is going to happen one way or the other. All signs point a big transformation here on this planet. Now, I'm not advocating that you should be a masochist. I'm advocating that we're in an opportunity that's calling us in, especially white-bodied folks, to build our capacity to hold more discomfort and bolster our resiliency. I've personally found fire to be a really powerful ally to do that. Earth as well, which of course it's interesting that they're opposite each other on our wheel. With that desire to seek out the discomfort, to bolster our resiliency, also comes a greater need to make space for joy and pleasure. We must become more comfortable being in the discomfort 
and simultaneously recognizing when we need to pause and step into joy and pleasure. We need to become the pendulum moving from side to side, not remaining stuck only in the comfort that keeps us small and tame. I don't have the answers for some of these big questions. That'll be for you to sit with, for you to decide what's uncomfortable for me, the things that I need to push myself to do, they're going to be different for you. The things that bring me joy and pleasure, they're going to be different for you. Some questions to consider that I've also been sitting with. What's making you uncomfortable right now? What have you been avoiding because it feels too uncomfortable? What might that discomfort have to teach you? In what ways could you bring more play, joy, and pleasure into your rotation of activities to build your resiliency up and to balance out sitting in that discomfort? So if you want to see those questions written out, they're in the um, written version of this episode, which is on the blog at CassieWill.com. Give you some for a card spread, journaling, whatever speaks to you. I'm also going to share some rituals for working with fire that I've personally been working with and leaning on to help me work with a lot of these energies, these uncomfortable energies and working with the fire for transformation. Before we do that, let's take some time to explore common correspondences for the South and fire. Correspondences are ways to honor and invite in specific energies. There are also ways to layer in specific energies to spell work and magical practices. Understanding common correspondences or these similar energies can give you the tools to craft your own magic and rituals with fire in the cardinal direction of south. So I see understanding these correspondences as a very liberating part of anybody's spiritual, witchy, magical practice. So for fire and south correspondences, we have moon phase, full moon, phase of life, motherhood or adulthood, themes, fulfillment, action, transformation, magic, confidence, strength, resiliency, discomfort, and passion. Colors, red and green. Element, fire, time of the year, summertime, time of day, midday, energy center, solar plexus, items and tools, fire, candles, wands, brass items, anything that personally represents summertime for you. Crystals, sunstone, yellow jasper, red jasper, rutilated quartz, and sodalite. Plants, rosemary, cinnamon, clove, ginger, sunflower, and really anything that's in bloom near you during summertime. The tarot, we have the suit of wands and the minor arcana, and then in the major arcana, the emperor, strength, wheel of fortune, temperance, the tower, sun, and judgment. Owen which is the Irish Celtic tree alphabet. We have hazel, apple, and vine. Runes, Sowillo and Wonjo. Planets, Sun, Mars, Jupiter. And Zodiac, we have Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius for the fire signs. Okay, let's jump into some rituals for the south and fire. Here are three different ways to honor fire and to start incorporating working with fire into your spiritual practice. These are all tools and rituals that I've personally been leaning into and using, except for one at the end that I'll share that's a future plan of mine to work with. 
but I still really wanted to share it because I just think it's a really great idea. As always, take what you like and leave the rest. You can always make these rituals as personal as you want. I am by no means the and I'll be all when it comes to doing these, and they're really more powerful if you make them your own. I'd also like to read an important reminder from the book, The Path to Druidry by Penny Billington before we embark on this section. Penny shares, quote, each element can harm, but fire is the most mercurial of the elements. It is lightning fast and operates to its own rules. Treat any naked light with respect and never leave it unattended. Fire is living. Think carefully about an appropriate way to extinguish a flame and stick to it. Many druids pinch out a candle flame rather than use the breath of life to extinguish it. Choose a method and make it a mindful action each time. When you light fire, you are connecting to an action shared by our ancestors, often with prayer and gratitude. Some of these ritual customs will survive in the old prayers from the highlands and islands. Devise your own simple ritual words or phrases to be part of a living chain of devotion. End quote. It's from Penny Billington, The Path to Druidry. I think that respect for these elements in these previous episodes for the cardinal directions and elements is something that maybe I haven't discussed quite enough. And it really is essential for all the elements. They all have the power to nourish and destroy, but especially with fire. The first one that I want to talk about is dance and a dance meditation to connect with fire. When I think of the energy of fire, I immediately go to dance and moving the body. And I do think, I know this has been true for myself, that sometimes that can be challenging. Like creating visual artwork, many of us have an idea of what quote-unquote good dance or quote-unquote good movement is intended to look like. Sometimes allowing our bodies to move in ways that don't match what we've seen as quote-unquote good can be uncomfortable. Now, I love to dance, but I am not a professional or trained by any stretch of the imagination. But by becoming more comfortable with my body's organic and natural movements, it not only has taken time, but it's been really powerful. I say all of this to remind you that wherever you're at with your relationship to dance or whatever accessibility you have to move your body, there's wisdom and magic to be found in letting our bodies really be overtaken by these elemental energies so that we can learn from them in a very embodied way. When we're talking about dance and meditation, I want you to throw out any preconceived ideas that you may have about what that needs to look like. More often than not, the insight and wisdom is not going to be offered to you through oral dictation, but through states of being fully embodied and in communion with those different energies. Why would fire speak to you in words? That's not the language of fire. Fire flickers and dances, it moves, it's unpredictable. This is the medicine that fire offers. And this goes back again to getting a little bit uncomfortable. So held in the discomfort and the vulnerability of giving your body over to being with the fire fully, you open yourself to embodying and holding new truths. It may not come through in words or paragraphs. It might come through in feelings and visions and movement. So if dance and movement feel like they're going to push you out of your comfort zone, I think that this medicine will be even more potent for you. Anytime I 
write these episodes for the directions and elements and hold space for guided journeys to them. I spend quite a while journeying to the direction and the element. And when I journeyed to the south to connect with fire, it asked me to move and shake my body. I was overtaken by the energy of fire working through my body. I moved in ways that I was not familiar with. I let go of everything entirely and gave myself over to the process. If you feel called to connect with fire in this way, I do have a list of steps written out in the corresponding written blog post for this episode. I think it can be a very intuitive thing. And something that I tell my clients all the time and that I want to reiterate here is that if you carve out 20 minutes to connect with the element of fire and nothing happens, that's okay. That's totally normal. It takes time. That's why when I prepare these episodes, when I prepare my guided journeys, I sit and journey with each element four, five, six times. It's an ongoing process. And when I go through that, it's not like I'm done after that. I'll go back and explore these spaces again and again. So I just want to encourage you to keep going back in. When we're working in these liminal spaces of energy, it's unusual. That's why it's called the other world. It's nonsensical. Being able to get ourselves in a space where we can really let go can be challenging. It's going against a lot that we've been trained to think isn't real. So I'll just say that. And if you want to dig a little bit deeper, you can visit the blog where I have those steps typed out for meeting up with the fire. And if this is something that you feel like you'd like a little bit more support with, I am posting the guided journey to the south to connect with the element of fire. And those are held on Zoom, and I am going to encourage you to move. But I will also say, I always tell people, have your camera on or have your camera off. You certainly do not have to have your camera on if you do really want to cut loose and get into a really embodied experience with fire. The link to join the guided journey to the south and fire can be found in the show notes. We cannot discuss the element of fire and rituals without discussing candle magic. I love, love, love working with candles. And if you've been hanging around me for long, you probably already know that I'm a big fan of using candles in my practice. They're really powerful tools for transformation. They're simple. And I also think they're a great introductory tool for spell work. They're incredibly versatile. Candles are just my go-to tool for spell work, magic, simple, complex, all different purposes, it can truly be applied to everything. So this is another one that I'm not going to go into step-by-step detail because this is something that I've talked about on other blog posts extensively and I've shared about it on other episodes of the podcast. I will go into some of the basics on here, but I'm not going to go into as much detail as what some of my blog posts go into. So if you really want to dive deep, check out some of the past blog posts that I've written. They are all linked in the show notes. All right, if you're new to working with candles or would just like a simple ritual to start with, I would invite you to just select a candle color that's in line with your intentions. And the candle that you select, because I know this is a big question, what candle do I use? Which ones are best? So in a perfect world, yes, you would have a little chime candle, a little spell candle. But if all you have is like a giant Yankee candle, don't let that be the reason that stops you from performing a candle spell. Once you have your candle selected, 
you can hold it in your hands and just really infuse it with your intention. You can hold on to that candle, close your eyes, and just visualize that transformation happening and really infuse that candle with that energy. And then you can light your candle. And after you've lit your candle, the most important part that I'd stress is to stay with your candle as it burns. For safety reasons, but also that's where the magic is. Um, and there are so many beautiful things you can do. So you don't have to just sit and stare at the candle flame. Although I would encourage you to do that for a little while, especially if you're really hoping to connect with the energy of fire. You can meditate, you could dance, you could journal. There are a lot of different things you can do that can kind of boost the energy of the purpose for that candle spell. One little thing. So like I said, a lot of people ask me about what candles to use. So I have been using paraffin wax chime candles for a long time, like the last six years. And I usually recommend these, but after further research, I do plan to switch to beeswax candles. Um, unfortunately, paraffin candles are a byproduct of fossil fuels and are therefore harmful and not sustainable at all. So I have a huge stockpile of paraffin candles from my store. So it's going to take me a while to work through all of them before I can switch to beeswax. So if you're just starting out, I will encourage you to switch to beeswax and make sure that you're getting them from a reputable source um, or even make your own. But if you are starting out or even if you just want to explore some, check out Etsy. I found quickly, I just searched, you know, beeswax spell candles and so many wonderful options came up on Etsy that are, you know, the quick burn ones that are going to burn in about 30 to 40 minutes. Um, and I'm not going to lie, while I was bumping around on Etsy looking for some really good um, beeswax spell candles, I definitely already bought some because there were so many beautiful options already there. So that's what I'll say about the candles. So like I said, if you'd like step-by-step -step instructions for candle spells or candle magic, um, you can check out the previous post linked in the show notes. So the final kind of two-for-one fire rituals I'm going to share are building fires and fire offerings. So I'm wrapping this up in a two because I think they can really be used in tandem or separately. So another way to work with the element of fire is to spend time building fires, especially in ways that our ancestors did. I have built fires in the past while camping, um, but I have not had experience like building fires in ancestral ways. Like I've definitely always used matches or a lighter. So this is something that I really look forward to learning how to do and exploring this fall. There's a lovely article by Dana O'Driscoll of Druid's Garden, which I will link in the show notes. And she discusses the power of learning how to build fires in ancestral ways to connect with fire and our ancestors more deeply. Dana writes in her article, In every way, fire reconnects us to our roots, to those ancient ancestors who gave us such an important gift. When I look at the fire from this perspective, I realize that fire is my most important ancestral gift, and thus... One of the best ways to honor my ancestors is to learn and understand fire, to work with fire as they might have, to learn to start and build fires, and to honor them through this practice. And that's from Dana O'Driscoll of Druid's Garden. So I know that building fires, that's a real accessibility thing. You know, it certainly wasn't accessible for me in my Arizona home unless I did go camping. But I got to tell you, I'm so excited. Our new house, we have space for a fire pit. My goal is to have a fire pit built before fall. So 
hopefully before Samhain, so that I can start building my own fires and have this fire pit. If building a fire isn't accessible to you, you can still build in this kind of ritual relationship by lighting candles or incense to connect with fire in a really sacred way. It's still fire and it can still build that relationship with fire and your ancestors. One thing I've learned from one of my teachers, Danu Forrest, is to treat each flame as a unique fire spirit. Each candle I light invites in the presence of a unique fire elemental that I can learn from and connect with. So seeing each fire, no matter how big or how small it is, as an individual living entity can help me take more time and care in engaging with the fires that I work with and create. Whether it's on a candle, some incense, or a fire that I built in my backyard. And finally, and again, this goes for any interaction with elemental energies or spirits, finding ways to be reciprocal and to give offerings is a powerful way to build relationship with any element. So for fire, song, dance, art, chant, poems, and herbs can all be beautiful ways to give offerings to fire. You could even consider asking your fire what it would like as an offering, which again, this goes for really any element. So the article I mentioned by Dana O'Driscoll earlier, she also gives some really wonderful suggestions for fire offerings. Um, so you can check that as well. But for an example, my recent interaction, the element of fire really prompted me to write a poem for the fire, which I placed on my altar. And I would read it aloud every day as I continued to engage with the fire as a form of an offering and a form of further connection. So building relationship with fire through reciprocity is yet another tool for learning from fire and building our capacity for the discomfort associated with transformation. Oh, it feels really good for me to have finally gotten this one out. I am in, would be embarrassed to share how long I've been working on writing this episode. I feel like everything's just been taking a lot more time with the added stress of a big cross-country move and all that involves. I've just had a hard time getting things done. But I'm I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you listened. I'm so, so, so enjoying connecting with you all in one-on-one sessions again. And I really look forward to circling again for a guided journey. So again, um, if you do want to check that out, you can find Journey to the Fire of the South for Transformation in the show notes, which will be on Sunday, September 4th at 10 a.m. Pacific time and 1 p.m. Eastern time. And yeah, I, I hope that these offerings have stirred your internal embers and perhaps even sparked a fire of powerful resiliency within you. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for rooting into this space with me. To support this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving a review wherever you listen. Find full transcripts for each episode, free resources, my books, courses, and services all at CassieEwell.com. That's C-A-S-S-I-E-U-H-L.com. You are here for a reason. Allow the inspiration to flow through you in a way that serves yourself and the world. Alwyn. Ah,